0: Hey everybody, I'm Sean Rosensteel, author of the School of Intentional Living and host of Authorized, where authors go live to reveal their insights, stories, and best lessons from their most recent works. Thanks so much for listening and enjoy this week's episode. I'm so excited to have with me here today, Dr. J.J. Kelly, author of Holy Shh, My Kid is Cutting. Dr. J.J., Thanks for being with us here today.
1: Hi. Thanks, Sean. Holy (laughs) shh. Holy shh. No. It's a curse word. Come on. So
0: we have to, I think, just give our viewers today and our listeners a full disclosure up front. I've had a few chances to connect with Dr. JJ, and I may lose my clean lyrics badge here after this interview. So get the kids out of the room. Put your headphones on. Put your earmuffs on. (laughs) Because things could get interesting during this interview. So there's your fair warning, right? And I told Dr. JJ that for every time she uses foul language is what I'll call it. You go ahead. She owes me a quarter. So if you're sitting there and you're tuned in to the live interview, be sure to just tally these up in the chat so that I know what kind of an invoice I need to send her at the end of this interview. (laughs)
1: Agreeing to that, did we show <laughs> that
0: <a little> <laughs> all right. All right, well, I let's get right dad, in. I I already
1: got one, so, I don't need <laughs> it to go All far.
0: right, so your book, Holy Shh, My Kid Is Cutting, uh huh. Tell us a little about that,
1: okay? Uh, well, I have a specialty in working with teens and young adults, and for years now, I mean, 16 years, uh when a professional in the area gets a kid that's cutting themselves, they're like, oh boy, mm, go to JJ. So I, you know, the fact that I also specialize in dialectical behavior therapy is why I get the self-harm, the people who self-harm. And so it's basically a parenting manual. Um, I work with the kids, but now I got the skinny, you know, they tell me everything, but they don't tell their parents. So I wanted to, You know, give the parents some backup in how to build a plan to stop self-harm with their kids. So
0: so what was the body of therapy you just mentioned?
1: Dialectical behavior therapy.
0: Got it. So can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yes. I can tell you a lot of bit about that. I love this model so much
0: But well, now we um, only have about five hours so you're gonna yeah, have to make all, it right,
1: all right well in a nutshell it's my whole life is a venn diagram because dialectics are it's a seemingly opposing two seemingly opposing concepts that are integrated in a balanced harmonious way so dialectical behavior therapy is zen mindfulness meets cognitive behavioral therapy okay and you know, we have Venn diagrams throughout, like reasonable mind, emotion mind. And then that middle path is what we call wise mind. This is Marshall Lenahan, Dr. Marshall Lenahan's stuff, coupled with Thich Nhat Hanh's uh, Miracle of Mindfulness. So cool. it is so awesome because it gives people the tools, very practical tools to use in their lives and then create the data that gives them buy in. Like, it's not just me saying it. I teach them the skills. I'm like, go try it. And they're like, "Mm, yeah, okay, well, we'll see. Because many of them have been to therapy before, you know? And a lot of times it doesn't do anything as far as change. So Mm -hmm. then they go and they try it. And when it works, now I got them. They got buy-in. Now they're willing to risk trying other skills. And then we just build the toolbox and off they go. And I watch in eight weeks, which is like no time at all in therapy dog years, you know what right. I mean?
0: It's fast.
1: To see that kind of change, marked change, where like their parents or their partners, if it's an adult, they comment. A couple of weeks in, they start unsolicitedly commenting on the change. And then I'm like, yeah, told you. Yeah, right. Oh. Who could have guessed? (laughs) I've seen it happen thousands of times, but I respect the fact that people have to have their own experience. I don't believe people when they tell me stuff, especially if they're telling me to do something. Sure, no way. Everything's a no before I decide it's a yes. So that just creates an instant mutual respect. You know, teens are so you know starved for any kind of respect.
0: Right. So that's
1: kind of built in. And then we've got that connection and we're working together. And it's rad.
0: That's awesome. It's awesome. So the book is for parents.
1: The book is for parents. I didn't think the first one was going to be for parents because I work with the young people. However, somebody was starting to steal my ideas. So I had to quick write that. And now the other one, the next one is in editing, the like kid version that goes with it. Holy, shh! I'm a gifted misfit, the young folks guide to unlock your superpowers.
0: Cool. Okay. Now is that, so is that next book, is that narrowing down on cutting or not necessarily?
1: No. uh, I mean, self-harm certainly talked about, however, it's dialectical behavior therapy. It's like my eight week thing. Got it. Cut, in quick cool. freaking dirty
0: book. Cool. So this subject matter is very intriguing to me because I, I know teenagers personally who are cutting. I also have friends who are parents of these teens and, you know, they don't know what to make of it. Yeah, totally. And um, so can you just help? Can you help us as parents understand a little better as far as what's going on here?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Are they freaked out?
0: Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: I think, I think that, there's a
0: lot of misconceptions that like, oh, my gosh, cutting is going to lead to suicide. Yeah, right. Cutting is going to mean this. Cutting means that. And I think yeah. there's some misconceptions built in there.
1: Totally. And I think because, um, you know, uh, there's something so against nature in a way when someone hurts themselves on purpose. However, you do see like self-anesthetizing behavior in all kinds of species throughout you know the animal kingdom as well. Everybody self-medicates. Mm-hmm. You know, booze or food or work or video games or Netflix, you know, but cutting really freaks people out one cuz it's blood, two cuz parents kids, they love their kids so much, they they're just like what is happening? Right. And is it my fault? And like, oh, and so, and there's shame around it. There's shame for the person who cuts themselves. They they try to hide it, you know? And the parents have shame about, oh, my kid is doing this. I don't know what to do. I don't know, understand this. And that, right. so I think that that shame has this like built in secrecy where it never really gets properly addressed because it's so taboo, right? So to answer your question, what is it about? It is about lacking the tools to healthily and effectively regulate emotions. Mm -hmm. So if cutting didn't work, people wouldn't do it. And when I say work, I mean, it just, it brings the emotion back to a calmer level in that moment. However, then the, the shame starts sneaking in like right away. So people that cut themselves, they know that it's not a sustainable, healthy way to regulate emotions, but they don't know what else to do. So that's what I do. I teach you skills instead of that. And there's another thing too, I go right after it. Like I have one conversation kind of only one a lot of times, which is surprising to people, even clinicians. I will go after it. I will not back away from the cutting. We talk about it way out in the open. And then I almost never mention it again, hmm. like not reinforcing.
0: The elephant's out of the room problem. now, and now we can get to the issue. You I
1: mean, can bring it up and we'll talk about it. I've demonstrated that I'm not afraid to talk about it. I just don't get in the habit of reinforcing negative behavior. Sure. So it's not off limits, but now we're going to focus on the skills that I teach because that's the stuff that's healthy and effective. And you know what? It works. Ninety-nine percent of the time, it works. The cutting just goes away quickly. quickly.
0: So, is it replaced then with a more empowering behavior, a yeah. more healthy? Yes. So, so, okay. So, two questions. You know, when I was growing up, I'm I'm close to forty. I don't think cutting existed. If it did, I wasn't aware of it.
1: It definitely existed.
0: It did. Oh, it, it wasn't called
1: that. It wasn't called that.
0: Was it called alcohol? <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's the self-medicating. But self-harm, I mean, that is self-harmy, depending on the amount. That's different However, though. Yeah, there's some age-appropriate binge drinking times, undergrad, that kind of thing. But, um, but cutting was happening. You just didn't know it, and thankfully for you, right? But right. yeah, it was happening.
0: So, so ha, is it growing more popular as that coping mechanism, or is it?
1: No, it's just more in the public eye. Like child over. abuse, never yeah. talked about once upon a time. It doesn't mean it wasn't happening. It yeah, means so. That so, it so wasn't it's
0: always happened. There's, to talk about yeah. There's there's more awareness around that subject now. Yes. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So what are, so the other question then would be like, what are some of these other, I'm curious, but what are some of these other
1: behaviors
0: mm-hmm. that people, you know, cause they're, they're getting into a vehicle. They're going from point A to point B and they're using cutting as the vehicle potentially. Okay. And you might be putting them into a different vehicle. Okay. Or they might be discovering a different vehicle that they can use to get to that emotional state change or whatever it is they're, they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Calm down, whatever it might be. Like, what are the things are you seeing that that are working for your patients?
1: Like, what I I don't say patients either, because I think that's super patriarchal. Um, I doctor knows best kind of stuff. I don't, I don't dig on that. What are Um, they? I I say students or participants because it's a really active thing and that's non pathologizing. I'm not well, reprimanding you. I'm just saying I don't like that anymore.
0: I will not make that mistake again. <laughs> Lesson learned. <laughs> this um, just got real serious. Dr. I, oh,
1: I just, uh, you know, like I didn't say anything about the patriarchal white supremacy thing with the cursing and it just silences women and black people. So I, <laughs> I saved it for this moment. Um, okay. <laughs> right, let's get back. Are One you of the- what I teach that works?
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. What are they um, switching out or what are they doing instead? Yeah.
1: It's a key question. Um, Okay. So there are four modules, mindfulness, distress tolerance, emotion regulation, and interpersonal effectiveness. Those are four different modules of skill sets that I teach. Hmm. So interpersonal effectiveness is like uber-formulized assertiveness training. And that comes last because you want the other skills on board by the time you add the wild card of another person we can't control, right? Okay. So um, a lot of this is around language too, like building an emotions vocabulary, because a lot of times people, oh my gosh, and shrinks are the fault of this, teaching people I feel statements. Well, everybody says I feel statements because they've been instructed to, but what they follow with is a thought, not a feeling. They don't say, I feel happy, sad, angry. They say, I feel like you're not making a safe environment. That's no feeling, man, that's a thought. And so we do a ton of languaging around separating thoughts and feelings and judgments from opinions, from facts. That's a mindfulness piece, right? So just to build an emotions vocabulary and pull apart more specific and accurate languaging around thoughts and feelings is a game changer.
0: Hmm.
1: And then in emotion regulation, then we can apply those skills to name the emotion in the moment that we're having it, which is inherently validating and has an impact on lessening the intensity of the emotion just by naming the emotion. Sure. Everybody thinks it's the opposite. If I don't say it or I or I deny that it's happening, it'll go away. No, that nothing spikes anxiety quicker than trying to pretend that it's not there. And even if you're successful in the moment, that shit comes out weird later. If you left- <laughs> If you, I can't believe that's the first one.
0: I know you went 15 minutes. I'm really impressed.
1: That was for you, Sean. Uh, Seals
0: broken, let her rip.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I told you I put effort in. I'm impressed. So, so if you stuff any sort of emotion, oh my gosh, anger, so dangerous to stuff, then it's going to slide out weird. You're going to stub your toe and scream at your partner or your kid or something. You're like You're Everybody kind of knows this, but they don't practice hmm. the skills, the effective skills, because who taught them? Nobody. Right. Why was I taught algebra? Why wasn't I taught emotion regulation in high school? Because that algebra ain't coming in too handy these days. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So that's my dream is to get it taught in elementary school, middle school, high school, so we can get ahead of all this pathologizing, all the meds, the over-medicating of people whose brains are still growing.
0: Right. Right.
1: That's my rant.
0: So is that what you believe? That's good. I I appreciate that. So is that what you believe is kind of the root of the issue here is that these skills, I'll call them skills. I don't know what you call them, but I'll call them skills. They're just not being taught. People don't know. And I'm seeing grown adults not knowing. I, know. I mean,
1: right? I know. So. Like, I specialize in kids, but I see people in their 70s, like anybody that wants the change. And usually they come when they're in a crisis, right? Which right. I would love to get ahead of it because I, I mean, I'm good at this. And It's still easier to meet somebody when they're not in crisis and learn who they are so that when the crisis comes, I know what their baseline is. But that's often not how it works. They're in crisis, they come in, they're boom, you know, like exploding or imploding or imploding, whatever. But I would love to get ahead of it. If these skills, these tools, coping tools can be taught preventatively.
0: Yeah, proactively too. Yep.
1: Yes the whole thing is super active, super proactive and giving it to them so they can go away and live their lives. You're not in therapy for years and years and years. That's expensive. And when it's not effective and it's expensive, what the hell are we doing? And the, the meds thing just makes me nuts. That is, you know, I get, when I get kids coming to me on eight different meds, And a handful of diagnoses, Mm. like what, what are we doing? Just adding it. And I got got one guy, one psychiatrist that works with me to get them off. Wow. They won't take them off. Cause you know, you take them off if they suicide, you know, like they're worried about that. And I just like, it's slow suicide anyway. It's not just about keeping the kid alive. It's about helping them learn how to build a life that's worth living, that's fulfilling, that's joyful.
0: Sure. I love Without
1: that. An adult zombies walking around. Like, right. how about we shoot a little higher toward like joy instead of just existing?
0: Right. I love that. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Okay. So this book <clears throat> is empowering parents with the information they need to just kind of understand what's happening a little bit better or
1: yes, that yeah. and what to do. Um, I, I, they need to write a contract with their kids of any age. What are your expect, what are our expectations of your behavior, your grades, your, if you work outside of the home, your part-time job, um, your chores, uh, here are the expectations. Here are the privileges that you will earn with that, which by the, the phone is a privilege by the way. (laughs) So here are the privileges, and if you don't mean expectation, here's here's a list of the consequences. And it's just backup for parents. And I'm super hardcore, so they, <laughs> they can do anything up until that point. You know what I mean? Right. And it, the contract is based on their family values, not mine. But if they have a, a doctor backing them, they can be as hardcore as they want to be, sure. which I actually think is better for the kids.
0: Yeah, it almost like, not that they need it, but it almost gives them permission, right?
1: That's exactly it.
0: Yeah. No, I think that contract idea is so neat. because So so I have, uh, and we talked about this, but I have three kids, six and under, and yeah. I'm not quite there. They're not teenagers yeah. yet, but um, I'm the youngest of four. I've got all sorts of nieces and nephews. So I know what some of those challenges as a parent can look like. But I love the contract idea because for me, I, personally, the real value in that is, Setting clear expectations. Yes. Right? Both you for,
1: know. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, I was just gonna say both for us as parents, but also for them as children. Yes, right?
1: exactly. And and because you know they're gonna be like, you didn't say that. Oh, really? Because page two of our contract says it right here. I mean, right. you know that shit's gonna happen. And then and then the parents, you know, the parents often in a Bay Area, at least, um, they flake out on consequences and punishments because they feel guilty and then when you write the contract then you have to stick with that too like you can't say oh oh you're grounded well until when Till your behavior improves what till i feel you've which is not a feeling either so you say you say okay two weeks for this And then you don't cave when they come to you a week and a half in, and they're like, "Hey, so and so is having a party. Can I please go?" No. Does what is the cut? What did I say? I love it. The fact that you even asked me, I might tack on time. (laughs) You're being grounded, and that can be in the contract too.
0: (laughs) That's hardcore, Doctor JJ.
1: Yeah, it is. I've like grounded. When when I was seeing kids in private practice, I'd have <laughs> I'd have their parents come in and like ground them. <laughs> yeah, I mean all the way. No phone. No Netflix. No anything. Book. You can you can read in your room. Yeah, yeah. And
0: then they can give them your new book.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So and then they can say you have to read this if you do these things.
1: Yeah. My book is punishment. How apropos! <laughs> and, I, and
0: I and I expect a full book report by Friday, right?
1: We just set them up for hating it,
0: right? Right. <laughs> so, in the spirit of being proactive here, yeah, you know, are there are there warning signs? Like, are there some signals that parents can pick up on prior mm. to it getting to this the cutting stage, so to speak, or any other self harm stage that may exist? I'm not familiar with that whole space but like as parents can we look out for certain things to maybe catch things early be more proactive about that have the right conversations you know do be empowered to know what to look for and what to do or say in the event some of those things start creeping up
1: that is an excellent question yeah i'm all about getting ahead of it um you said your kids are six and under by 10 i'd have a contract Hmm. um because why not start them before they're big and mouthy, you know, you're just trying to establish, you know, (laughs) (laughs) face mushroom to the floor. Just kidding. Um, you You open the lines of communication. You're demonstrating healthy, open, appropriate communication, which is key to answering your question which is how do you know? Well, you've established communication about emotions. Your family has a way of discussing words, happy, sad, ashamed, because people hide in shame. They are going to have academic pressures that they stuff. They're gonna not tell you about it even before they're at an age when they're purposely not telling you about it. They're not gonna know how to talk about that academic stress and if it's already established by the time puberty hits that the family speaks openly about feelings, like sure. dinners, yeah, it's, it's normal.
0: I don't know any okay. other way. Right. Right. Yeah.
1: And it's it's not how was your day because it's like it was school. It sucked. Yeah. Name three emotions you had today. You know, ask better questions as parents. Love it. Hang out with the scary answers. You want your kid to tell you the scary stuff. And a lot, even though inside you're like, holy shit, holy shit. You don't, you know, your impulse is I don't want to. But ultimately the big want is communication with your kid so that they don't, you know, just up and run away. Right. Someday. Or like angry drink at a party in high school, you know, like-
0: I don't know what that's all about. Yeah,
1: right, right.
0: No, no experience with nice that.
1: Nice people don't angry drink. <laughs> I just do anger, so I have, I've always happy. But, <laughs> but I've watched kids get hospitalized. They don't even normally drink, but they're pissed off and they're nice people. They haven't been taught how to deal helpfully with pissed off and validate that emotion. So they go to a party and they pound, not happy pound. And then they end up hospitalized.
0: Right. Escape pound. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, when that's got a motor on it, pissed off kind of to the lips kind of shit. That's
0: like kerosene on a fire.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. And anger, anger is usually at the root of cutting specifically. You gotta look for anger and fear.
0: I was gonna say, isn't usually like fear the root of all anger, you know, is what I've learned?
1: I I think of that, I try to honor them separately because Mm -hmm. I think it's less overwhelming to know the personality and the behaviors that go with each sort of emotional realm. You can do it however it works for you. Um, I do think that stuffed anger causes panic attacks. A lot of times. So I appreciate what you're saying that fear and anger often are intertwined. Yeah. But anger, I I mean, fear is the survival one, right? Um, Anger is the one that signals to us that our boundaries are being crossed. Mm. And that's an important. Distinction and important to honor. Most people shy away from anger expression because they all think it means blowing up and cursing somebody out, ramming somebody with your car. Sure, that happens, but that's this end of the pole. Like, they're much like the dialectic. We're looking for the middle path. How can you express your anger that matches your values? For me, I can easily be like, you know what? We gotta. I gotta continue this conversation later because everything you're saying is pissing me off. So I'm gonna go take a few deep breaths. I'll come back in five minutes and we'll do this again. Like you can do a powerful expression of anger that's authentic without it being abuse. Sure. And people don't get that.
0: It's not. It's not easy to do though because like that's a habit you also need to build, right? Because it's not easy to have that awareness to catch yourself before you go over the deep end.
1: At first.
0: At first, sure.
1: Have, it's totally easy.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: But now, it's I an easy it. concept, but it's difficult to practice when you're, on. Un- <clears throat> you know, you're cranking the wheel. Exactly.
0: The other way. Yeah. Simple, not easy. Right. So yeah. I love what you said, though, about talking about bringing more emotions into the communication, into the conversation. I mean, one of the things that I appreciate so much about my kids, because obviously they're the best. Yeah. Is-
1: oh, yeah. they're perfect
0: little human beings Um, is they're so young and innocent. They do use emotion. Yes. Like they're so open and honest and vulnerable and they just kind of come from the heart. They just say what's going on.
1: And here's the hard truth is we train them out of that.
0: That's what I was getting at. So what's interesting is again, this is so valuable for me, even though I'm not kind of where, you and your participants are, see, I'm a quick learner, Nice. is I can role model the way. My wife can role model the way for them so that they have this normal, which is, oh, we always kept things open and honest. We always talked about emotions in our household because, you know, I know my upbringing was different. How many people do we, you know, know of, you know, the normal is kind of like we just suppressed that crap and we just bottled it up.
1: Yep. Yep. What? and all families encourage certain emotions and discourage certain emotions and so you want to look back as parents you want to look back at what what was that formula in your family and then you can find your blind spots sure. and then you can go build your emotions vocabulary on the ones that were discouraged in your family of origin so that you have a holistic approach in your i mean go Google a list of emotions, emotion words and catch. Cause a lot of those are thoughts. Attacked is not an emotion. It's a prediction of someone else's intention. That's a judgment and a thought that is yeah. not an emotion. So, you know, they, they always slide thoughts in, um, to lists, but you can develop your own. And then, you know, if you and your wife, Get on the same page as a united front and decide how your family wants to handle emotions and and behavior that doesn't match the family values because consequences are necessary to keep kids safely in bounds.
0: Sure. Yeah, it makes sense.
1: So to shy away from consequences because you, what you don't want to be the bad guy is lame.
0: Right. Right. So, yeah. I don't know if it was in your book or if it was during one of our previous conversations, but you're not a real big fan of being your child's friend. Is that oh, right? No,
1: that's in the book. That's my favorite that's book. Okay. Book. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. F and narcissist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I cannot stand that because it's the parent putting themselves first. Mm. And when you make a kid, they have to come first for, you know, 18 years or whatever. Um, And being the heavy is part of your job. I mean, it's part of my job. They're not even my kids. But I have to get in a horn lock with them, and I have to win that horn lock for them. Sure, They're behaving in a way that is endangering them physically or emotionally. Then I have to step in and fight with them on that, and I have to win that fight for them. I don't sure. like it. Everybody thinks I love getting in those fights. I don't. It makes me anxious too, particularly because I love these students. You know, some of them I've I've watched grow up. I've I had a hand. Sure. So I love them. I don't like to fight with them. I don't like to yell at them. I don't like to give them the kaboom as I call it. <laughs> come to Jesus. Um However, they're at a place now where they know that if they get that smackdown, they absolutely earned it. And so they're able to hold that anxiety. Oh, my God, JJ's yelling at me. And and that urge to be defensive. They're able to sit with that really uncomfortable energy and trust that. This is something that's meant to get them back into their value set.
0: Cool, cool.
1: It's, it's I really love that. something to watch when they're able to. It's such a pro move, uh, emotional intelligence wise. Wow.
0: Yeah, that's cool. And I like how you just framed that. You didn't say they know they deserved that. You said you they know they earned that. Yeah, it was oh, a yeah. big difference. I like that.
1: They did earn it. Mm, that was oh, sneaky,
0: yeah. but I caught it. <laughs> That's awesome. Cool. That's how I
1: do things, you know? Like, it isn't top-down. It's collaborative.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So can parents, so if my child's cutting or really, can you you give me some other examples of self-harm?
1: Yeah. And there are a ton in the book. Um, Cutting, um, fighting, physically fighting. Um, Video games and internet stuff that kind of addictive, um, check out for 10 hours kind of thing. I'm not talking like fun D D with friends or whatever. Entertainment is one thing and self-medication is another, but there's all kinds of, you know, like picking and pulling hair. I mean, a lot of that has a anxiety disorder quality to it. But a lot of this has anxiety at the core anyway, whether you call it a disorder or OCD or whatever you call it, we have to do something. We use those behaviors as a cue as to when an emotion is being experienced. So what are you feeling that's leading to this behavior that you decided you don't want to do? I didn't tell you not to do it you don't like doing it because it causes shame, yet you don't know how to stop. Right. So it's them defined, again, their values. However, anything, any behavior anyone engages in that they don't want to be engaging in, that's the cue that you're in self-harm, self-medication land.
0: Right, right, okay, so that's good.
1: Drinking drugs, easy call, you know? What's that? Drinking drugs, that's all easy reckless driving sure. you know, all that stuff
0: sure, so are there things that I mean in your experience, so this book is for parents, do you find that parents, like out of a hundred cases of this, you know, how many require someone like you to step in and intervene as a professional versus yeah i would I would imagine there's the vast majority is this is out of our hands uh, yeah. control. Yeah.
1: And it's been—it's probably been not so hot for a while. If the kid's cutting, they've just been hiding it, or the family is has been in crisis or whatever. Hmm. It's—it didn't happen overnight, so it's probably going to take some professional intervention to to undo it, and it's going to take a minute. Sure. (laughs) And get some decent. Don't just pay anyone to do this. A lot of people don't work with teens. A lot of shrinks are afraid of teens because they're so they they have such a bullshit meter, you know? And they need just look for something even a little bit real in your phone conversation with a shrink. Like watch for something that's a little bit left of center, uh out of the box, something that sure. makes them seem really real.
0: That's good. That's good. So how did you, what made you get into this line of work? I mean, what's your... You what, ride
1: the horse the way it's going, man. <laughs> I mean, I, mean I, I don't know. I think you're born to do, I mean, the answer in grad school is family of origin. You know, everybody goes into psych in undergrad to like try and figure out their family shit. Ugh. But the thing is, what's fine for undergrad. I just don't think you should be treating People and taking their money. If you haven't figured, you haven't actively gone after those issues and resolved them for the most part before you start charging people money. Sure. So by grad school, I would hope that you've figured some stuff out, but a lot of times, no. Um, I always knew. I always knew. I I remember hearing Psy D in undergrad at Madison, and and that was new then. Instead of a Ph.D., it was a clinical. You work more one-on-one. And I at the time, I was doing research, and I was like, oh, my God, this sucks, this data entry. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my God, a clinical degree? Working more with the people, clients? Yes, I'm definitely doing that. But then I thought, after graduation, who the hell is going to listen to a 22, 24-year-old? What advice am mm-hmm. I going to have for people... 20, 40 years older than me when I have no life experience, which is my justification for just going off to Ireland and then Chicago, you know, like yeah. just going around, getting you travel. experience.
0: Right, right, right. Love it. <laughs> That's awesome.
1: <clears throat> so, but I mean, it did help because I made so much money in Chicago the, and it, I was miserable too young to have that amount of money, you know, in sales. And, and so by the time I got to grad school at like 28, you know, all my cohort was like, Oh, go after the Kaiser job. Cause it's the most money or whatever. And I was like, I'm not fucking working for Kaiser. No way. Um, I will work for nothing if it's the right fit, which is what I did that first year. And I could get really clear on none of these decisions are financial. They're all clinical. It's all what's best for the person in front of me, I made a ton of money. I don't care, and I was miserable. So now I know this is not about that. This is sure. about purpose and right. service to humanity. What and is- then you end up making a bunch of money anyway. There you go. And then you you drop private practice to start a movement, and then you have to start at square one again. <laughs> You're all entrepreneur.
0: Yep. Yep. I get it. No, yep. that's awesome. That's awesome. So where were you in Chicago? Because I'm from Chicago.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Not St. Charles.
0: Right. Yeah, I'm from out in the burbs. But I lived downtown for a little while.
1: uh, I lived a couple places in Lakeview, Hyde Park, Southside. Cool. Uh, I even lived in Humboldt Park for like six months, but it got so hot with criminal activity there. They're like, I had red hair then. They're like, the cops would come to the, what's a good Irish girl like you doing in this neighborhood? I'm like I moved in in the winter, I had no idea. My car got stolen and burned, set on fire like the first night. I mean,
0: you're like, I'm just getting some life experience, officer. <laughs> <laughs> totally. What's wrong with that?
1: Totally, totally. Hyde yeah. Park was my favorite, though. Cool. But, you know, I, I got a Chihuahua and when I lived by Wrigley Field. Nobody had Chihuahuas in, like, 98, by the way. Do you know how many times drunkards would come out of a Cubs game going, Yo, Kiero Taco Bell. Remember when that stupid racist commercial was on? Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Oh, my gosh.
0: That's but, hilarious. So where are you yeah. now? You're out west?
1: Yeah, I'm in Oakland. The okay. the only – that this is the proudest I've – been as a resident to a city since chicago. Oh cool. There you go. Yeah. That's oh, nice. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah,
0: yeah, there's a real vibe there. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, there's
1: There's still community.
0: That's awesome.
1: Like San so, Francisco, it that was awesome, you know, 20 years ago, but it's it's some of the heart has gone out of that, I think. Mm. I hope I'm wrong.
0: So you have a business there. Can you tell us a little bit about the business?
1: Yeah, it's Unorthodox Inc. D O C S, and I called it that because these young wait wait
0: Unorthodox Inc. So the uh, got I just got it. Yeah. cool. I like that. That's, That's creative.
1: Kind of like authorized.
0: Right. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, yours is better, but <laughs> I, I like love
1: it. Relationship with puns, um, but these kids, they're not kids. I mean, like some of them are 30 and older even, but they used to be in private practice. You know, they were once patients and then I changed to participants. And now I call them docs because they have crossed over with me into this new movement. Like unorthodox is a punk alternative to current traditional psychotherapy. We do peer coaching. We do mentorship. We do community outreach. Love we it. We do free feels on wheels, <laughs> which is a, a mental health pop-up. We, we put signs up that are like free COVID coping strategies. And then wow. we sit out there and give advice in a socially distancing. Just give free coping skills out. Wow. They do it too because they've done this for so long now. They're more emotionally intelligent than any psych grad student, doctoral student I ever supervised. That's cool. Yeah. So they That's have to cool. teach. They have to teach yes. the younger people how to do it because they're so they're so there and solid. Right. Think that when you get full like that in who you are, you get whole. I think if you don't direct that energy out into the form of giving and service, it stagnates. Yeah. So that's what we're doing now outreach. That's so cool. It is rad. So 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 they're the docs. And that's also to try and mess with that patriarchal paradigm of doctor knows best, doctors are gods, doctors know everything. No. Nope, they don't
0: it reminds me of a very powerful quote and I wish I could remember it but I have a friend who owns um, a chiropractic practice
1: uh-huh.
0: and he's an incredible human being he has a quote and I think it's by Albert Schweitzer if I'm not mistaken and it's all about that the the patient knows that there's a doctor within them yeah kind of oh a kind of a thing and I wish I'm paraphrasing but um, the whole thing is like a good doctor empowers the doc within the patient yes. type of a thing. And I just, yes. I read that. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know,
1: yes. um, That's totally, totally it. Cause I'm an expert in what I do and I'm really good at it. And that doesn't mean Jack if we're not working together, cause they're the expert on them. Right. I can't know them without them allowing me to know them and to connect with them. And that right. trust. And authenticity is the only thing that is the foundation for healing. I love that. Otherwise, I can yeah. be. I think everything that comes out of my mouth is brilliant, but it doesn't mean anything <laughs> if it doesn't resonate with the person I'm talking to. You know.
0: You know how much everything coming out of your mouth is to me today so far? Seventy-five cents.
1: Oh, <gasps> that's it.
0: That's it. That's pretty good.
1: That, that is not pretty good. That is amazing. That is miraculous. I don't maybe, know what talking
0: about. You have done the impossible. Maybe I should be paying you 75 cents for oh, your yeah, efforts. Oh,
1: you absolutely ought to be paying You got
0: to reward these efforts, you know, just a little bit at a time.
1: Yeah, we reinforce we're, behavior we want to continue. We're building
0: a new habit. <laughs> All right. So where can we find your book? Where can we find you?
1: Okay. Um, you can find everything kind of at drjjkelly.com that's the website you can book free consultations for the eight week you can get the book for free i think there and then all the information on dbt and just fun stuff there's there's so much content arguably too much content on there Um, and the youtube channel we weren't able to link but that i hate my audiobook so much it was not read by me and i told you she says Hyperbole instead of hyperbole. Oh my gosh, I was raging. Um, so I read the whole damn thing on YouTube. I taped myself like reading by the I fire. Saw that.
0: I love it. I saw it. I thought it was so cool. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, so yeah, just so people can have it and they can listen to it and it's not listening to that. I listened to like less than a sentence and I lost my mind. So, love the audio. Um, that's on the YouTube channel, Dr. J.J. Kelly. And everything is just Dr. J.J. Kelly. Facebook and Instagram, tons of free content on Instagram, too. Um, cool. That's where you know, the young people aren't on Facebook. They're on Instagram. And that's just at Dr. J.J. Kelly. Everything. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Awesome. That's great. So thank you for being on the show today. You're this awesome. was so fun, as yeah. always. Yeah. Um, yeah what- we're not doing. What's that?
1: We're not done. No, no, no.
0: In the big scheme of things. We're going to have to have you back on when you publish your new book.
1: Awesome. That's that's not far away. I don't know when. I can't tell you.
0: That's so cool. So if there's one message you could give, let's say to parents, what would that be? What's the takeaway?
1: I'm going to deny the two parents thing.
0: You're going to go to the two teens?
1: No, I think everybody. Okay. I think parents and young people and everyone, I think that just happy people act right. And so these are what I teach. It's such a privilege because I get to teach the tools that help people like themselves. And when you like yourself, then you act right and you want to give. Like all the isms that we're trying to eliminate from society, those naturally go extinct when everyone likes themselves, experiences a lot of joy, and then wants to, it, they overflow and want to be generous.
0: Cool. Love it. Yeah. It's oh, kind yeah. of that rising tide that lifts all boats, right? What? It's like what? that rising tide that lifts all boats.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's Love how it. the world is healed. Yes.
0: Love it. Well, thank you again so much, Dr. JJ, for being here with us today. We appreciate it. Thank you, Sean. All right, Sean here again. Thanks so much for joining us this week. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe to my podcast so you can catch future episodes. Also, go ahead and give it an honest rating so you can let other people know what you thought of the show. Take care and make it a great day.